I like video because one, it builds no like and trust with you as the face of the software or the, or your team. Basically. I mean, I know I've, I've seen Chase's face. I don't know how many times going through all the stuff. And it's like, I feel like when I meet him at in Dallas, it'll be like, Oh, Hey, I've seen you a hundred times. Yeah. He's never seen me, <laughs> but I know him. <laughs> Same thing with Sean. Every time Sean has comes out, Hey, Sean coming at you. Like, yeah. Having the video there builds a connection with the software. And it also makes it really easy rather than explaining someone, Hey, go up here and click a quick screen recording of go here and click. And I can actually see where it is in the little highlighted mouse. It makes things, it, it eliminates a lot of amb ambiguity. All right. Welcome everyone to our high level podcast. We call it the spotlight sessions where myself and Chase, we identify top players in our community, bring them to the spotlight in a sense and share their story and a little bit of a background and also how they scale to hundreds of clients. I have Dom Bavara here. Dom comes from the automotive space from what I understand and he built yeah. a really cool business model and everything built on SaaS as well. Dom, first of all, thank you for saying yes. I'm excited to see you uh, pretty soon here if you are coming to the conference for our- I am. Okay. Okay. Awesome to get your gold award win. Uh, but either way, Dom, thanks for jumping in on a podcast with us, man. What a journey. No, oh, thanks for having me, Paulson. Yeah, it's been quite a, it's been quite a journey. I want to say I've been on this whole SaaS thing just about 18 months in uh, round numbers. So tell us your story. What were you doing before SaaS? Okay. So how long before? So right before SaaS <laughs> or like the very, very start of my whole business entrepreneurial sales journey, I guess we'll go it, all the way to the back, right? Yeah. I mean, give, give us a good one minute rundown of the full story. Oh, all right. So one minute rundown, start the clock. So <laughs> basically my background here, pre, pre all online entrepreneurship, all entrepreneurship in general, uh, I was in the car business, the retail automotive business. I uh, started as a salesperson, uh, walked into, worked into the finance office. And then I started running the internet department uh, front to back. So basically from internet lead to person comes on the floor and buys a car. And I had that, I had all, retail automotive experience for about eight, eight years in the business before I decided to start my entrepreneurial journey because nobody would promote me to the sales desk. I kind of hit the, I hit a hit of like almost a glass, glass ceiling. ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted to get, and I, I hated having someone who was going to say, yes, you're ready to move to the next level. I didn't want to have that kind of, I didn't want to get permission. So I saw an opportunity to rent cars to Uber drivers uh, on the internet and then make quote unquote passive income. Cause you know, as the car is out, they pay for it. I will soon learn that it was not passive at all, but being in the car business, I kind of knew if I bought them right and I put a pencil to it, I could probably make money with it. So I bought my first couple cars. They stayed rented immediately. And I scaled up my old car rental business up to, I think it was 17 cars at the top that when I had the most amount of cars. Wow. Um, but that business model is had a lot of flaws. Uh, one, I was at the mercy of a platform. I was at the mercy of the app that I was renting the cars on. And then insurance premiums were stupid. And then, they had high deductibles. People banged up the cars. They walked away. And it was a lot of out-of-pocket, a lot of aggravation. I do not recommend it. <laughs> I mean, I got calls from the Philadelphia Police Department because cars were being used to <laughs> commit, commit crimes. It was just quite an adventure. I learned a lot about entrepreneurship, but it's not the most profitable. Uh, I, got, I actually got out of that business January of 2020. Wow. Okay. I, it, it crashed and burned the end of 2019. I was able to get out by 2020 and turned out to be a blessing in disguise because that's when COVID hit. And kind of around the same period I was doing the, uh, the car rental business, I wanted to, I saw some YouTube ads about making money online and, you know, affiliate marketing. And 
seems kind of cool to me. It was, you know, you make you stuff online because I was actually referring Uber drivers with a referral code and I was making money that way. And I was like, I wonder if I could just refer people to other things. Nice. It's really, really hard to do when you're first starting out and you can't, you're not creating content, number one. But uh, car business crashes to, uh, January of 2020. March of 2020, I hop on TikTok with the rest of the world start creating video content, uh, partially because I had to, because I had bills to pay and I needed to make money. And I said, you know what? Blogging is not working. YouTube's not working. Facebook organic's not working. Hey, everyone's jumping on this thing called TikTok. Might as well. Right, why not? And everything got thousands of views back then. So I just started creating TikToks every other day, uh, teaching people what I had learned in the car business about sales, about marketing, about the internet, uh, internet uh, department of the, of the car dealership. And I started learning about funnels and started referring people to all kinds of different funnel software and kind of gained a following through that. I, at this point of this recording, I'm at 139. I might be at across 140,000 people over on TikTok. And um, right about June, 2022, I actually saw um, Dom Baptist. Oh yeah. I came, across, I came across him on TikTok. He was talking about the course and high, this high level and SAS and agency. And I'm like, let me go check this out. <laughs> so I did. Uh, said that. And one of my other now business partners, we were friend, other TikToker, he was doing the same thing. He's like, you got to check out high level. I was like, all right, fine. I'll jump on high level. Let's see what it is. And I'll admit when I first got in, the learning curve was steep. It, it is was hard. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I was, I was so comfortable with another software. And I was like, I'm just, you know what? I understand how it works. I see validity in it, but like, I'm too deep into this other software. The pain of disconnect was too high. <laughs> But then they made a big, big mistake. And I was like, I have to move. So I started moving everything over onto high level. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet and go through. I'm really glad that I did. So now I really started leaning into the SaaS model. And again, as a content creator, as somebody who has a following people, you know, as you're an authority, people go, what do you recommend for this? And I'm like, oh, you go use my software. Yeah. I use my software. I mean, we branded it lead vortex because we wanted to make it like, you know, it captures leads and everything kind of disappears into a vortex. So we're like a that's kind of how we, we branded our, our thing. And we just started getting uh, customers. People were coming in and rather than referring them to another software, I was basically taking them as my own customer. I had to figure out customer service issues because that's the, the, the kind of why SaaS isn't as easy as affiliate marketing. But again, it's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, so we started going through there and then it really picked up steam and we started actually embedding our SaaS in products and courses. Nice. So not so much. Here's the software that I sell. It goes... Here's why you need a funnel. Here's why you need a website. Here's why you need email marketing. And you create the question and it's like, well, what, what software do I use to do all that? Oh, hey, oh, we'll take care of that. Yeah. I happen to have one. So <laughs> that's how we, that's how we started grabbing a lot of stuff through a kind of real high level, my story, how I got into SaaS. Got it. I, I love it because everyone has a story and it's really interesting to me how people find their path through high level. And usually people come across this big Y intersection of like, Oh, do I do affiliate stuff or do I do SaaS stuff? And either way you're going to win because the product sells itself. It has a lot of great benefits that cater to the small business owners or marketers in general, however you want to go about it. But for us to have this podcast in a, a little bit more structured way, Dom, what are the three things that we can talk about when it comes to things that you've learned from the SaaS experience? Three things that at the end of this session, we can be like, you know what? We cannot omit these three things when it comes to building a SaaS company. Um, all right. Let's talk about customer service. Okay. So one is training customer, onboarding. So customer service and onboarding. 
Okay. Okay. That's number one. Number two is how to create the desire for your software. So you're not just shouting out and you're just not just another software. Okay. I love that because that's one big missing piece. And I think maybe some of your sales background is allowing you to figure that out easily. <laughs> yeah. And what would be the third thing when it comes to launching the SaaS? When it comes to launching SaaS, uh, something I didn't do, but I wish I did was okay. to create a lot of buzz and controversy around me before I launched the thing. Cause okay. I did it with other products. I didn't do it with SaaS, and I'd probably be five times the size no. if I had used my old strategy. Okay. So for those of you that are staying and watching the podcast, the three things that we're going to talk about is the customer service and onboarding behind the SaaS model. Number two is the, what was that? Oh, number two was creating the question of why, creating the oh, desire for your, your desire, product. The market for your product. Desire. Yes. The market desire for your software solution. And three is building the content machine around the person behind the software. So yes. I love these three topics. And I think this matter a lot for anybody that's brand new in the SaaS game, or even if you had thousands of clients, it doesn't matter. I think you're going to learn a lot from this. So by the way, the reason why I asked Dom to jump in is because he's winning the SaaS gold award here shortly at our conference. So for, for someone to contribute from doing the work, we we love that because it takes a it's easy to talk about it on a 30-minute podcast, but the amount of work that went behind building this pathway is enormous. So uh, I think it's gonna be really good. So let's talk about it. What what is it about customer service and onboarding people get wrong? Uh onboarding customer service, there's not a lot of you have to go really heavy into video tutorials. Like there's a lot. I mean, high level is a very robust software. However, robustness brings complexity. Correct. So there's a lot of, so me being in the TikTok social media influencer world, the very popular software is like those link trees or link in bios, where it's just a single page with 27 links. Really easy to use. Doesn't make any money. Doesn't make any sales. However, you've got something like high level, which is more robust. It's animations. It, you know, Some people will see it as bloat and they'll see it as, I don't need all this and I'm not going to learn this and I can just go up and put 30 links on a page. So the... The customer support journey, the customer journey, and the onboarding, having that dialed in, especially that doesn't require any involvement from you, is that is the key to scaling. Like we're at, I think, 230 users at the moment. And if we were manually onboarding every single one, we would never be able to scale. Forget it. Yeah. And 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 us too, right? We're at like almost 50,000 users. If we mm -hmm. had decided to onboard everybody on a Zoom call, we probably won't be able to scale either. So you do have to have a self-navigating onboarding system. And I and you mm -hmm. said video tutorials matter a lot. What yes. is it about video that you feel like is the best solution for onboarding? Uh, I like video because one, it builds no like and trust with you as the face of the software or the or your team, basically. I mean, I know I've, I've seen Chase's face, I don't know how many times, going through all the stuff. And it's like, I feel like when I meet him at in Dallas, it'll be like, oh, hey, I've seen you a hundred times. Yeah. He's never seen me, <laughs> but I know him. <laughs> Same thing with Sean. Every time Sean has comes out, hey, Sean coming at you. Like, yeah, having the video there builds a connection with the software. And it also makes it really easy rather than explaining someone, Hey, go up here and click a quick screen recording of go here and click. And I can actually see where it is in a little highlighted mouse. It makes things, it, it eliminates a lot of amb ambiguity. Yeah. You know, what's crazy, Tom, um, 
there is there are not a lot of software companies out there that puts faces in the onboarding process hum, humanized experiences right like you said chase sean used to do these uh, sessions i think robin has like a one of those videos in there i know i have a few in the courses and things like that but but having a face attached to the thing that you bought makes a big difference and this is why um, software companies that use personal branding usually take off really quickly, even though they can't sustain it long-term, but they have a good lift. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's actually something, uh, something Alex Ramosi does really, really well. He talks about it. And um, he's like, you start with your personal brand. It's like, but obviously, like you said, you can't sustain a personal brand so far. So yeah. what you do is you bring somebody on and then it's you and the person you brought on edify the person there. And then eventually you kind of fade away. And now the person there is left and you're basically just transferring your authority that's there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it does start with you as the face. Yes. So you can go on and do uh, build other parts of the business and leave the other person behind and go here. This is the thing I built. Now you're trained on it. Now you can handle it. Yeah. So for all my tech wizards that are watching this podcast, they have a question for you, Tom. Okay. What kind of videos are you talking about? What are, are those around features or is it more contextual videos around how the features benefit them like what is it navigation like what kind of videos do you recommend when it comes to video tutorials for customer onboarding so i think it's a mix there definitely needs to be a lot of lot of screen sharing right how to use the feature how to set up the thing but people aren't willing to embrace the suck and kind of go through the the you know the discomfort of setting it up if they don't know why so onboarding courses and like what I do is I actually build a, I built a course on a website that basically I left side linked it inside of uh, inside of high level on one of those custom links. You click on that and it comes to a big course website. This is what we're going to be doing. And the first like two or three are just what we're going to be doing, what you're going to have at the end and how all the pieces are going to fit together. It's so like that way agenda. when they're, what? It's like an agenda. Yes. So that way, when they're in there going, oh, how do I go in and set up the email automation and click here and then tag that? Why do I have to name this? Why do I have to use a custom value? But if they know why they're doing all that stuff, they're willing to go through more of the discomfort to, on their own without just, oh, this is too much. I'm just going to go back. Got it. And so you're a lot of go ahead. self-navigating through this once they, yes. is that how you did it the whole time and from the beginning, like, or was that a remind, refined process or? Um, I've gotten better at it over time, but it's always been self-navigated. Um, wow. I'm a huge introvert. I mean, from, I don't like, I don't like talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. It's not I really like, tell. I, I can't tell it's, <laughs> it's hard. So I'm like, and again, I've always had the thought of, I want to have something that's going to scale. Right. And me coming from the affiliate world, starting in the high ticket affiliate world, there's people who were like, let's hop on a zoom, let's hop on a call. And I'm like, if you're doing three, four, five calls a day. Like you're, you're going to run out of time. Yeah. So if you want to scale, you got to learn how to automate that record. And because also, again, being my sales background is people, people are not unique. I don't care. Everyone say everyone's different, but no one's unique. They're <laughs> all going to have the same six questions. So if you can can those same six answers, here you go. That's going to eliminate 99% of your customer service tickets. I love it. So the second thing that we want to talk about when it comes to launching your SaaS is creating the desire in the market for your solution of combination. Like mm -hmm. internally, uh, I tease a lot of our developers sometimes and I say, you know, high level is like a Lego land. We have the ability to create a bunch of different types of shapes and forms and colors, but it just depends on the creativity of the person for you to really see the full utilization of the platform. But 
Imagine you creating your own solution. How do you create that kind of a demand out there in the market for your Lego pieces? So it's funny that you use Legoland because I always use, uh, I don't know if you how people are into cars, but like the, the old Civic community. We're like, you can modify a Honda Civic a thousand million ways and no two are exactly like, I'm like, that's what high level is. And they build them like Legos where you can just modify, endlessly modify them. Um, but yeah, so basically what I try to do is I try to create a snapshot for a specific avatar. And then I'm going to go, so basically I go in, I say, look, this is what this avatar needs. Let me build a snapshot around it. This is what they're going to need. And then go in and then not talk about, oh, hey, real estate agents, I built the snapshot software for you. It's like, oh, hey, real estate agents, here's how you're going to get 20 more listings. And here's how you're going to manage your people better. Here's how whatever benefit. And that's going to be my messaging. Yeah. What What is a snapshot for those that might be watching this podcast and that don't even have a high level account? And there's a good amount of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so a snapshot basically is just a pre, I guess it's a pre-configured group of websites, funnels, and automations um, that you can, that you basically, you put together and then the customer just kind of brings their own brand and brings their own information. And a lot of it's, there's a lot of the heavy lifting. It's kind of pre-done for them. Yeah. I call it like a blueprint or a skeleton in how yes. you can fulfill a client. And once you create that skeleton, you don't have to recreate it. And anytime you bring in a similar type of client, you can just turn on that snapshot into their account and just onboard them with their branding, similar to what Dom is saying. So creating that demand, creating that desirability in the market. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So once you have your snapshot designed, okay, let's say, let's use a simple, uh, let's use a simple real estate example. Okay. I'm, I'm, com I'm coming up with this cold. So I might be, I might be a lot of ums here, uh, but let's say that we'll have an opt-in page. Thank you page. And then you'll follow up to book a call. So there's going to be a calendar. There's going to be a sequence of automated reminders for that. And then whether or not they get the listing, there's going to be, I imagine when real estate people get a listing, there's going to be a number of things that they need from their client. That process is the same for every single person. So what you can do is you, as the high leveler, you can go in and you can pre-program that. Make a, make a skeleton of an opt-in page, make a skeleton of a thank you page, make a calendar, make an automated reminder, and then make the like, this is what I need to get the listing live. Automation, forms, surveys, build all that in high level. Then hop on social media, hop on the content machine, and then start talking about, I have a way to streamline and get more listings for as a real estate agent. And that's the messaging. And then you send someone either to a five-day challenge or you send them over to a webinar where you explain, not the software, you explain the process. Because, oh, what you're going to do here is you hop on social media or you're going to go and drive ads to this kind of page to capture people, to get them onto a call with you, where you get the listing. And then afterwards, you can use an automated process to get everything from your person to get that listing live. And during the whole presentation, people go, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But, but I don't. I don't know how to do that. Or like, I don't, I don't have, how does, how's he doing that? Like you're creating questions in the person's mind and that's all they're focusing on. They're focusing on like, yeah, I know this, this is great, but how does he do this automatically? And then when you go to make the ask and make the sale, you go, oh, by the way, I've built all this for you. All you have to do is put your name and logo and headshot and bring all your stuff. And it's 97 bucks a month. And I'm like, so wait, so one sale can pay for this multiple years. I'm in. And then you got to try it. And then, then you basically remove the risk and say, oh, start it for 13 days or 14 days or 30 days, whatever you want to put your trial. And it's a no brainer. There's almost no resistance and they're going to start a trial. And then it's on you to deliver and get that onboarding right. So they stick. But if Absolutely. you basically are just, again, create the question of like, how is he doing that? And then you just tell them, oh, I do it with the software. It's pre-done. 
Yeah, it, it's making total sense, Dom, how you got to well over 250 plus clients, because here's what we know internally. The software launches and marketing agencies that focus on education-based sales have a much easier time onboarding, mm-hmm. right? We know that for a fact. So if your okay. content is around the technology solutions in providing context, they probably can do a self-navigated onboarding like Dom is doing. But let's do the opposite. Let's say you don't provide a lot of context, but you're just selling like the result and the you know not showing the process. When you get to onboarding, guess what you would have to do? You would have to resell what you sold them and re-educate them. So your onboarding becomes very laborious and heavy, and you'll have a lot of dropped traffic in that step. I recommend the education-based sales because mm-hmm. we know that works. Even if you threw out a five-day challenge, like we we ourselves launched a five-day challenge program inside high level to just help marketers jump into the platform. Um, and a couple of thousand people are going through it every single month now. And mm-hmm. really what we're doing is stabilizing them and helping them get their first paying customer with SaaS. But awesome. we know... It, it it has complemented our onboarding. <laughs> yes. We didn't even mean for that to happen, but <laughs> they are way in a, in a good way. The, the onboarding that the five-day challengers go through are a lot more stable versus the standard processes where they have to kind of figure things out without context. So creating that desirability, uh, it, it's making sense because you're creating the FOMO out there while you're sharing the process of how you're creating those solutions. Yep. The solution gets the person's attention, but then the process of going, that gets them hooked up. Okay. Now I see it's not just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So that's what gets them in there. Dom, can you talk about the last thing I want to make sure we address here is creating that content machine, right? You talked a little bit about that. And that was the third Mm -hmm. pillar in what you felt like everybody needs to do to launch and scale SaaS properly. Um, first of all, tell us what you feel like you missed out on by not launching it, because I know you mentioned that. And then let's talk about what the ideal content strategy looks like. Okay. So, I mean, I just, I, I don't think I missed out. I missed out on a lot of people, a lot of users really quickly. Although given that we've gone through probably four or five iterations of onboarding, it might be a blessing in disguise that we didn't launch the, what I'm about to outline here. Um, <laughs> because Doing this with a thousand users versus doing this with 200 users is, I mean, 200's a lot to manage. So once we get it dialed in, you'll probably see something from me that is probably going to generate some buzz. But basically I've launched three info products this way. And the first one went, did a hundred, did a million dollars in a hundred days. The second one was way smaller. It did like $50,000 in the first month. And then the third info product we launched did $130,000 on launch weekend. So this works, but it's not for everybody. Having said that, I start this campaign of launching by slaughtering the sacred cow. So (laughs) take your number one person in your marketplace. Take the person who is probably going to be your biggest competitor. Find a flaw and shine a flashlight right on that flaw and then call them out. Right? Everybody in the marketplace is going to go, I can't. Record's going to scratch. Party's going to stop and everyone's going to look at you. And all of a sudden, then they're going to start looking at the other competitor and then people are going to start to take sides. 
Yes. There's going to be people who are like, oh, look at this guy trying to bash. And, and then they're going to start talking about you. This guy's bashing the number one competitor. He can't do it. He has to tear people down to build himself up. But then what's going to happen is that there's going to be people who agree with you and who have agreed with you for a long time, but have been too afraid to say something. You go and say it. They're going to be like, that's my guy. No. That's the person I'm going to hook up with. And they become a ride or die customer. So what's going to happen. It's going to cause polarity. If you just go in and call out a flaw. Now I'm not saying call out a person or call out someone's appearance, but call it a flaw in a business model, in a business model or a company, something you don't like. And then say that you are going to fix that specific thing. It's going to, it's going to basically, uh, it's going to, it's going to part, it's going to pol uh, polarize the market. You're going to have yeah. people who are really excited about you. But yeah, what's going to happen is the people who also hate you, especially if you do it on a platform like TikTok where you can do stitches, I get stitched and people just start talking crap about me all the time, but to their own audience. So what happens is other people who may, some people have huge followings. They start talking to stitch me. I get, I get them so riled up that they all of a sudden put me in front of their audience of hundreds of thousands of people. And there's people who have no idea who I am. So they're going to click through and look at me and they're like, oh yeah, I see I was right. And then all of a sudden I start bringing people into my market and building that pressure from people who are hating on me. So I'm bringing haters by are basically talking about me to their audience. <laughs> and I do this for like a month. Wow. Right. So people start talking, when's this thing starting? When's it launching? When's this? And then what I'll do is I'll bring up a, a beta on. Okay. I'm not going to release it to everybody. I'll release it to a small select group of people and I make them audition. So what happens is people audition again, make post a public video, tag me, tell me why you should be in part of my beta. Then what happens is all these people are putting me again in front of their audiences. Because wow. they're tagging me and stitching me and saying, this is why I want to be a part of Dom's thing. And, and people wait, in their audience are like, who the hell's Dom? Let me go check him out. <laughs> wait, wait, hold hold on one second. <laughs> let me let me clarify this. So what you're doing <laughs> is you know, in, in the world of psychology and marketing, we call it disruptive marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is disrupting the, the leader of the market by pointing out flaws, whatever. And then eventually... You do that for about a month and then you yep. launch a beta group of people. But instead of just launching with any random beta group, what you're doing is forcing them to be active by creating content for what you're launching and why you should allow them in. It's almost like a public application. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So now there's a lot continue. of people talking about you. <laughs> okay. Continue. <laughs> continue. I'm, I'm digesting. <laughs> Now here's the here's the last iteration that I'm never I'm going to do this now because this is the one the beta is paid and it's higher than the public price, right? I depends on you know it depends how how much you have let's say at least fifty percent almost two hundred percent higher than right let's say let's say you're going to launch at a thousand dollar product make your beta fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars they get eight weeks of you teaching them informally the thing. Oh, so you're. Counting in your hours as if it's almost a consultative approach. Yes. This is if there's a, if I'm, I've done this with courses, I don't know how I would do it with SAS, but I mean, SAS, okay. I basically, I'm just embedding the snapshot into the info product. Got it. So what I would do is I would, again, it would go 2000, you, you know, double the price, take your beta. Cause then these are the people who want to do this. They want to do it because they like what you say, not because the price is right. So they're willing to pay a little bit more, but tell them, tell them, look, you're going to pay more. This is what the public price is going to be but you're going to get me informally live teaching you the thing. You're going to help me pressure test this thing and help me find all the snags. And that way, when they launch eight weeks later, 
it's been it's been tested and we know where we know where all of the snags are so we know what the customer service tickets are going to look like when they come in so dom here's what i'm foreseeing you're creating your affiliate team out the gate yes <laughs> yes <laughs> your betas become your affiliates so now what i've also done by doubling the price of the beta when i go to the challenge of the webinar how many times have we sat on a webinar where it goes this is $38,000 in value and i'm like Name me one person who's paid 38 grand for what you're about to sell. However, when I tell people we've sold this for $2,000, here's all the Stripe transactions people have paid for it. I'm going to give it to you for 997. That's a much more effective price anchor on the presentation. I like that. I like that. So this is, this is genius. You're being very generous, giving away your, uh, your sacred cow strategy is what I'm going to call yeah. it. <laughs> Most people are going to be afraid to do it though. This is <laughs> that's the facts. thing. Most people These are afraid facts. to do it. <laughs> that is a fact, but there will be a few that understand mm -hmm. the power behind it. Um, what are what are some things you've learned from launching this? And what do you feel like you might have missed out, or like what do you feel like the ideal scenario should look like going back, you know, just evaluating what you've done so far? Like, what would you change about it? What I've done so far, so I probably would have launched my SaaS standalone. Okay. Because what we did here was we we launched we launched back in uh, November of 2022. We launched an info product around content creators. And then we just launched a course. There was no SaaS component. So then what we did was we saw a lot of people were content creators. And we saw the need like, well, content creators need to collect leads from social media because brand deals are drying up. So we're like, oh, this is perfect for eye level. So then we started embedding it into the course after it was launched. So we were, you know, people who had paid us a thousand bucks, like, hey, you can add this on, you can add this on over here. And then people coming in, it was already embedded in the offer. Got it. So it was, uh, but now it's, I, I maybe might launch it standalone. But again, I, launching the SaaS by itself, I don't think we're not dialed in enough to, to handle that much influx of people. Because when you create that much buzz and you create that much pressure, you're going to have to onboard, let's say 100, 200 people on the same day. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. But I like what you said is the pressure testing, right? The 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 concept of pressure testing, I think it's a never-ending thing that you always will do. Like, you know, eventually you'll get to a world, you're testing a thousand people in one day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like it, it just these numbers will just get bigger and bigger and processes will improve. Um but but this is really cool, Dom. Now now it's all making sense why you're gonna walk on the stage and grab a plaque for accomplishing these things. Um, but I like the strategy. Any anything else you want to share when it comes to launching SaaS properly before we close out? Um, launching SaaS properly, I would say number one, don't make it about the software because people don't get attached to software. Make it about one, make it about your brand, right? What you guys stand for. And then also make it about the education, which I would do a lot of is because then people are like, oh, this is why I need it. And I like that person. I'm going to support that person. I know that they're going to like the software just becomes a byproduct versus, oh, I can do, I can, I can get you a 0.2% lift on your opt-in. Like, okay, there's 17 other people that can do that. But if you make a movement and identify that this is the, this is my people and this is the strategy the software just kind of becomes, oh, I just kind of need that anyway. I might as well buy it. 
I love that. Dom, I appreciate you jumping in on a podcast here with us. And I know thousands of people are going to watch this. And this is uh, has been one of my favorite episodes um, because- oh, Thank you. I'm every- sure you say that to everyone now. I, I really don't actually. This is probably okay. the first time I've said that because oh, thank you. We gave away some practical application, not just theory. And at the same time, we I feel like we made it fun to just you know uh, see somebody's journey, just kind of go through it and accomplish what they want to accomplish. Dom, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. I think it's in uh, two weeks now. It's so so close. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. I'm. Uh, it's funny actually. We have five more minutes. I misread the SAS website or the, the level up website. <laughs> so copy on, I'm going to say, I don't know who was in copy of the level up website. I'm coming in actually a day and a half early because I said, I read the way it read was, what was it? The 22nd, I think is the first, no, 23rd is the first day. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. yeah. And it says VIP is a day early. So I'm like, oh, VIP days on Sunday. <laughs> so I fly in Saturday night. Oh man, you got to. Extra- and then all of a sudden the website goes, oh, VIP days on Monday. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. So now I'm in <laughs> Dallas for Sunday. So if anyone's there, you want to hang out high levelers. Our, our entire team will be there on Sunday. So I'm sure we'll interact and things like that. Yeah. Um, but Dom, I appreciate you, man. Uh, it was really cool seeing your journey kind of take off and you find, you know, I got a chance to um, track you down and do a podcast and, you know, share a lot of different things. Any final words? Um, do you have a link where people can follow some of your content or anything else that they're doing, especially fellow high levelers that you may want to plug in? Um, yeah, yeah. If you want to just follow on all socials, it's just Dom Bavaro, D-O-M-B-A-V-A-R-O. Uh, just search me. It's all my socials, all the handle. It's all personal branded. And um, our if you ever want to go hack our website, it's tryleadvortex.com. Okay. That's awesome. what we're doing with SAS. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate you. Take care. Have a good rest of your All day. Right. See ya.